Folks, welcome home. Here we are at the Mighty Shakers in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, one of the most haunted bars in the entire country. And we're going to talk about uh, a few things from our Ghost Tales selection. So Marley's in the house today, and uh, Marley's been with the firm for about four years or so. And she has a variety of stories, and she has other stories that other people have told her but don't want to address the camera about. So, Marlon, welcome home. Good to have you back. Thank you. Good to be back. And, uh, well, first, of course, our shameless sponsor plug right here, Pirelli, the best water, of course, in all of Europe. Uh, so, pardon that. Marley, let loose. Let's have it. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I was, I've been here for like five years now because I've been gone for a year. Oh, wow. But before I moved, I was here for four years, and I did the tours, um, and People always ask me the craziest stories I have or what, what stories I have, what ghosts I've seen and experiences and whatever. And I mean, there's just too many to like really get into, but I would say that some that really, really stuck out to me was um, one of the biggest ones was when I had a woman on my tour who was quite intoxicated. And being kind of disrespectful in a variety of different ways throughout the tour, but not so much so that I was ready to, you know, kick her off the tour or anything like that. Um, but then when we had gotten to the top floor, we were on a 2.0 tour, so we were using the divining rods, and she um, was using very disrespectful language while addressing the spirits on the top floor. So if you didn't know, our top two floors used to be a brothel, and a lot of the resident spirits that stay up there were workers who worked at the brothel. And she was addressing them using the word whore instead of, you know, brothel worker, sex worker, lady of the night, whatever, all of the other more respectful terms you could use for that. And she kept saying the word whore. And I started noticing that every time she was using that word specifically, I noticed something like would kind of like shake or vibrate when she was talking, when she would say that word. So there's like, you know, lamps up there that have tassels like this, the tassels would shake, um, the strings that come down from the chandeliers or the fans would shake, there was a plant up there that would shake, every time she would say that word specifically I noticed something shake or vibrate, so um, eventually I had to ask her to use more respectful language while using the divining rods or that her turn with them had to be over, and she kind of did neither. She stayed on the tour, but she just handed the rods off to somebody else. I have found from years of tours that often those people that are like that, the rather boisterous, the whatever they are, have incredible anxieties themselves and or often have had experiences they just don't know how to compartmentalize that yeah. so they kind of react that way and yes of course demon rum has a tendency to facilitate some of that behavior um, but people don't have really in my mind the comprehension for the value of those spirits I don't just mean for us commercially I mean that these to me are an essence of an existence of a person that elects to linger on so for me, it's a basic metaphysics. Essence precedes existence, and therefore, at least in my mind, essence succeeds existence. And a lot of people today just can't grasp that, and they don't know what to do with that. Yeah. So, of course, you have a couple more cocktails, and perhaps you should, and then you think you're being funny or something else by doing that, and the reality is you're depriving yourself the opportunity to have an actual experience right. that could be a very positive experience. Yeah, definitely. And I think that she was very unaware that she was making not only the spirits 
other people on the tour. Mm -hmm. She was just, yeah, kind of in her own world with that, probably trying to, yeah, come across well, as funny or add humor to it herself to feel sure. better. Well, there's no question. We are at the uh, we are at the top of the pyramid as far as pricing for tours nationally, and the reason for that is that I like to think at least that we have a very high quality tour. Uh, we do a lot of research. Our tour guides are really docents, much more than just here's the boozy tour we got in New Orleans. And I think that um, sometimes people don't quite grasp the value of this as the cultural museum, and I think that that's a huge misnomer and a mistake on one's part. What else you got? So one of the other really intense experiences that I had on a tour um, was there was a while, I think she kind of, she doesn't make herself as known now, but do you remember Daisy who was in the basement? We had a medium tell us about um, a spirit named Daisy who was in the basement, who used to be a brothel worker, and specifically I remember the medium telling us about how she felt very misunderstood um, because she lingered in what a lot of people have said is a very negative area, it has a lot of um, negative energy around it, and she that's kind of where she liked to hang out, and so she felt very misunderstood. Um, at that point, I still didn't really mention Daisy on many of my tours just because I didn't have enough information or heard about her enough to really, you know, validify that to tell tour goers about her. Um, but I had a woman on this tour, and when we were in the basement portion, well, before the tour even started, she was not about it. She didn't want to do it. She was skeptical. You know, she was like, I think this is silly, whatever, whatever. And her sister convinced her to do it. And But she wasn't very into it during the whole time that we were giving the tour. But then, as we were walking back upstairs and we were passing that white door, which is the area that Daisy likes to linger around, um, she all of a sudden ran up to me and, like, grabbed my arm like she was frightened. And I sort of, like laughed it off a little bit like oh she like probably felt a chill or something like that kind of freaked her out but then this woman starts like crying so then during intermission when we were up here you know I was like talked to her got her to calm down a little bit and I was like do you want to tell me what happened like you know what freaked you out this much and she was like right when we were passing that door I heard the voice of a woman in my ear say I wish you understood me or I am misunderstood or something along the same line of what the medium had told us that Daisy felt. Um, and so then I told her about Daisy. I told the rest of the tour goers about Daisy. And then I took that woman, after the rest of our tour was over, I took her back in the basement. It was a regular tour, but I took her back down there to use the divining rods to see if, you know, we could communicate with Daisy. And she was really, really nervous doing it, and she started crying again as we were doing it. But I think it gave her a lot of, like reassurance sort of because I was facilitating the questions um, and having her ask things like are you glad that you got my attention are you happy that you know you were seen and heard and that Marley told the tour goers about you everything like that so then I started bringing Daisy up on my tours more often and I think kind of slowly she stopped making herself as noticeable as she used to which is probably because you know myself and other tour guides started recognizing her a little more. Sure. So. Well, I experienced the same thing. We had a spirit named Claire on the second floor. So Michael Taylor, who's nationally known as a ghost hunter and, and, and one who really debunks many things, um, often comes back and does a 3.0 tour. But he was upstairs at one point, and we had spent a couple of hours because somebody had captured an image, a full-sized apparition of a female in the front. 
but really kind of disconcerting, there was like someone larger that had to be like nine feet tall that had wrapped their arm around this woman, this picture, this beautiful picture that was captured. So he and I and another, uh, another medium were up there. We spent a couple of hours on this. And we had determined that there was no way you could, have, you could have created this image whatsoever, just the sizing was wrong, the proportions are wrong. And all the time that we're up there, I generally don't use the electronic devices. I rely upon my own senses. Um, the medium that was with us, though, had a variety of different toys. And her things were just going ballistic with this. So every time I would encounter, verbally encounter Claire and say, you know, ask for a story, this thing is just off the charts. And just I could sense, I mean, galvanic skin response, uh, you know, I've got, I've got goosebumps, my hair is standing up, whatever else. I knew I was communicating with something. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was there quite a bit. But I do notice that some of the other tour guides that we have don't talk to her. So sometimes I go up there and I can feel her, but it's not as strong as it used to be. And I think it's almost like anything else. You go to the zoo and you see animals there. And some animals come up because they want to interact with you or they're interested and they'll you know, sniff around though they can't get to you, they're still kind of almost wanting to be interacting with you, right? And some that aren't maybe, you know, one of the big five or as popular just kind of work back on the sides to some degree. And, and I've got in my own theory that some of the spirits are the same way. Those that are here want to be acknowledged. They want to have some interaction taking place. And if you consistently ignore them, well, they're kind of trivialized then, and they're not going to be as interested in interacting with you. So that's what I think has happened to Claire. I still get her, I get her tour guides, at least this, this latest ilk of tour guides that have been here, well, much less than you have, so like a year or something, don't really want to interact with her for some reason. So maybe an experience, I'm not quite sure, but it seems very sad to me in so many ways. Yeah, yeah. I have a question, and you can kind of leave this conversation, but are there any other spirits that I don't know what they do with the Mariner, to be honest with you, because the Mariner is not, is not the same as the Longshoreman. And um, we do have some tour guides that are adamant that it's the same person, but I'll tell you, after being here for decades, that's not the case. They are completely different people. Um, and, and I've interacted with them on a regular basis for years, and they're not the same. And so I think that's a misnomer as well to kind of glop them together as the same person. So they, they may both have had their entire professional history on the Great Lakes somewhere, you know, dealing with, with water, whatever else, and sailing around the Great Lakes, but they're completely different people. And uh, that's a shame as well. So. Even the way some people talk about O'Connor, I think, is rather dismissive. So my experience with O'Connor, again, from being around for years, is that probably the best-known spirit we have in the cellar, uh, and he had appeared, this is probably now seven or eight years ago, frankly, that um, Fox News from uh, Dallas and rather Denver, Colorado was in, and the convention bureau brought him by, he had an hour to spend, suddenly it's five hours later, and he has all sorts of images and pictures and everything else going on, and one of these full apparitions he has is of a man, full-size man, in Connecticut garb, right? So not Connecticut, but Confederate garb, and he's in grays, and he looked like you could walk out of any Civil War book, and there he was. 
So um, he often gets misconstrued as something else now as well, and I think that's a shame. He didn't die in the building. He uh, allegedly died outside of the nightclub in the alleyway, not here. But that story has gotten mixed up a little bit and jumbled. And we make it a, a point to not only go through the tours with everybody here, but we also go back and, and you know, we, we have somebody else acting as a docent to walk around to make sure it's the same thing. And then every couple of months we talk about this, and here's the script, and let's get back on what these things are. Because everybody has their own unique experiences, and other things come and go. But that's cool, but it shouldn't be at the detriment of those things that have been here forever. Right. So. But I think also... Uh, like you said, things come and go. So a lot of tour guides, like, you know, pull their, you know, tour script. They follow, you know, what's here, but they also, a lot of what they talk about is their own experiences. So sometimes some of those other spirits that they may not have ever experienced will fall to the wayside of their tour, whereas, um, you know, spirits that they have, like, experiences with, if they can talk about and get a little more in-depth, They'll talk about that a little bit more. Well, I had a cool experience just this last week. So last week, I'm here. It's, I think it's Tuesday to Wednesday, and I'm, I'm making stocks. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We're not open. There's nobody else here but me, just little old me, right? The music's not on. I'm in the kitchen, and I'm, I'm doing a Creole-based thing, so I hit it with some cayenne. The cayenne hits the steam, it atomizes, and I sneeze. I sneeze loudly. And immediately I hear a woman's voice, mid-30s, saying, bless you. Clear as a bell. Bless you. So I, you know, I do my spit. I look around. There's nobody here whatsoever. Thank you. So you encounter those types of things. And then, like, two days later, when Michaela, our bar manager, and she's been here for over four years, too. So Michaela's behind the front bar. And I'm, you know, Tinder and Young coming back and forth. And I stop and say, hey, this is what just happened to me the other day. I'm telling her the story, so she's facing east, I'm facing west, we're three feet away from each other, and I feel someone tug my hair. Now I'm thinking, geez, at a, a server walk-in or something, and it's being cute or something, I look around, there's no one there. I turn back to McKay and I say, was someone behind me? And she said, nope. And I said, my hair was tugged. She said, I know, I saw your head move. So, um, you know, things happen here all the time. Yeah. And the last week or two have been very, very active. Um, I think Kathleen probably told you a story as well. Yeah. So. Do you ever share that? I feel like she should share that. I just have notes that I took down okay. from what she told okay. me. But I will also be posting that on the Hangman blog, as well as your story and all the other stories. Anytime that um, staff has experiences here, I will try to post that on the Hangman blog. So Kathleen's story will be posted this week about that. Um, one other thing I wanted to touch on was I feel like, too, that sometimes when people have experiences or even when mediums will tell us things um a lot of staff or people who are familiar with a lot of the resident spirits that we have here will just attribute it to being them because they know them you know what i mean so it's like they could have an experience that could be a totally different brothel worker but it happened on the third floor so they're like oh that was molly you know so they don't really explore the fact that there's so many other energies that are up there besides just her Fair enough. So I do notice that, you know, from time to time, and I don't have the chance to do tours like I used to, but I still, you know, walk every floor, and I will see sometimes at the beginning of the night, like that bed up there in the dead hooker's bedroom. So you see that bed is set up in one way, just picture perfect, it's ready to go. 
and then for some reason I might be back up there before anybody else has gone upstairs and you can see that there's an indent in the pillows and, and that's not anything new you see that throughout the years I've been here and there's no reason for it no one else has been there but now there's an indent in the pillow and I think that's just kind of neat in so many ways yeah yeah I, I remember when I first started and I stayed overnight upstairs People always ask me about my experience when I did that, and it's so hard to articulate because it was so much more of a feeling than it was anything else happening. And uh, admittedly, I had alcohol that night, so I was a little bit drunk, but at the same time, I was not intoxicated enough to be like, I, I felt like dizzy at points. It, it almost felt like I was like on psychedelic drugs or something at some point. And I, it was just like, you know, just such a strange feeling that's so hard to be able to explain to people. For me, it's often like there's a fog that just suddenly comes up. Yeah. You're surrounded, you're in this miasma kind of a thing. Yeah. And then, poof, it's just gone. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes, too, there's like the strong breeze, yet there's no windows open, it's not the ventilation, there's nothing going on, and you feel this chill. And um, sometimes when you, you wake up, at least for me, it's almost like there's a woman's stilettos walking back and forth. Uh, and whether I'm alone or not, doesn't matter. It, it often feels like there's someone sitting on the bed next to me. So you wake up, you get the sensation they're there. Sometimes I too see depression there. Sometimes if they're sitting on your chest, it's really an interesting experience. So, um, but I've been around this for years, so I'm not running out the door. I did one time here in 30 odd years. Um, but I can understand why some people just get, you know, big, brave, bold people and they're up there and 10 minutes after being up there, you know, we're shutting down for night and they're like, here's your key back. Thank you very much. So. Um, you know, if you want the experience, you're going to get it. If you're looking for a reason to have not the experience, well, then you're probably not going to get it. Right. So an open mind in so much of life really makes such a difference, doesn't oh, yeah. it? Absolutely. So I know that you've told me about, I've asked you before, about how you kind of um, first started experiencing, having paranormal experiences. And you were really, really young when that happened. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so I was um, I was four years old, and um, we live in a duplex in Milwaukee, and my grandparents uh, live downstairs, and it's December, there was a major snowstorm. Now like the little things we get now, there's a major snowstorm. And um, he's out there shoveling, and I'm pretending I'm shoveling, and my mother is there as well. And uh, my grandfather falls over, he goes down, he's blue in the face. Rescue squad is called, it's way before paramedics, and it took forever to get there. And when they get there, you can see them coming down the road and they're just sliding back and forth. They can't get traction. So they finally get him in the gurney, and again, he's blue in the face, it's too late in the day. Get him in, put him in the back of the wagon, and the wagon is stuck in the snow. So <laughs> neighbors are out there trying to push this thing to take him to Misericordia Hospital which used to be on like, I think, 22nd in Kilburn or something, whatever. So anyway, my grandfather passed. And again, I lived, we lived in a uh, duplex, so my bedroom was off the kitchen on the second floor. I wake up in the middle of the night, gotta go pee, and there at the kitchen table is my grandfather. So it's like this neon green image, but it's him. It's him, right, it's all neon green kind of thing. And I'm sure I'm just bug-eyed looking at that, and at some point, kind of like waves me over, I stand next to him, and I felt okay about his passing, and I was there for a few moments, he kind of waves me on, I go to the bathroom, I come back, he waves goodnight, I go to bed. 
Next morning, there are dozens of people, it's early in the morning, that already are there paying their respects to my grandmother downstairs. And um, my grandfather owned a series of restaurants and he was a chocolate maker, and so he had a huge number of people that were his people. Um, so I'm trying to tell my mom this, and she's trying to get me dressed. I'm four years old, and I just got to tell the story, and she just wants to get me dressed, right? And at some point, I'm able to get enough of the story out that she just grabs me, still not, you know, in a jacket or something, down the stairs, through the snow, into the front door. I'm telling the story over and over again, and the, you know, the, the, the priest was there and telling him and whatever else. So, you know, suddenly I'm this kid that has got these other worldly experiences, and, you know, that's taboo all by itself. But my grandmother was a, a spiritualist, a Greek spiritualist. So every Sunday, there was a line of, of women that would be there. I mean, talking about 10 to 20 women that would come to see her, and she would read their, their either TVs or coffee grounds or whatever, and tell them what's going on in their life, just like I'm, I'm sure the tarot card readers here or something else, right? So people need reassurance. So she was that person, and she had that ability with people, and I have had that since I've been a little kid, and I find myself in places all the time. And uh, even as I travel around the world, I don't go to places that are known for sex activity, because often, you know, I'm off. I'm not necessarily looking for things. I know they're gonna find me anyway, and they do. And um, it, it, we had, uh, an ex-girlfriend and I had some phenomenal experiences when we were in Spain, we were in France, um, certainly in South America as well. Central America, Costa Rica, we had all sorts of things. They've got these spheres spirit stones that they can't explain why they're there, how they got there, and there are hundreds if not thousands. And they're anything from, you know, a marble size to the size of like boulders. They're virtually perfectly round spheres and they are of a mineral that is not anywhere near either Costa Rica or that part of the Pacific Ocean or any anywhere. And it's almost like you know pyramids, how did these things get there kind of a thing. But they've just got their own little vibe. And one year that we were down there, and to get to that portion of the coast where they are, you've got to go through some very remote villages, and there's no GPS, and, and you're just kind of, you know, finding your way. And I can recall that we had stopped at, uh, it was a, a little mercado, so a little market, and there's, I mean, it's, there's nothing big, there's these little markets, that's all it is, like a fruit stand and something else, to ask directions uh, in our broken Spanish. And there was a guy who was probably middle-aged on a bicycle. And I still remember his face. And he's there on his bike watching us as we get out of the car to go inside the market. And we're probably 15 miles away from where we need to be. And that includes going over this little stretch of highway and then this bridge and then all sorts of whatever, you know, bumpy, ripped up roads, whatever. And so we've left this market and then we're probably more than three-fourths the way there. So we're many, many miles away from this market. And there he is on that bike on the side of the road. And there's no way in God's green earth that he could have pedaled to get there that fast. I mean, even if he had some other route, there's just no, there's no way at all. Because if you've driven with me, I drive rather quickly and we're moving as fast as we can. And um, he was there. And then we spent maybe an hour, hour and a half in one of these particular fields. And uh, when we left, 
we left there, he wasn't there, but he was somewhere way far away from there as well as he had to make a turnoff to go back to where we were staying. And again, there's just, there's, I can't explain that type of thing. So I've seen a lot of things like that. Um, I've been in hotels in Spain that were not too far away from the Spanish Inquisition took place. And by the way, those museums are haunting. You go there and you get close to something that was used as a device of torture. And just the pain radiates these things. And this is where they'd be, you know, pulling people apart on whatever. I mean, just, just horrific things that people did to each other. And you can't, I couldn't help but get the sense of just this, this terrible pain and, and whatever else that people went through. So we're at, at one point, not far away from there, in a, um, in a little town in northern Spain that has a, uh, has a um, hotel. It's a red hotel, but that was used, we found out later, as a, almost like, you know, H.H. Holmes as a torture hotel. And it was almost all women that were killed there as well. So we're, I think, on the second floor. And uh, it was kind of a neat little setup insofar as uh, after 10 o'clock at night, all the lights were out. So if you walk into the corridor, the switch would go off, you know, it would sense that you're there and all the lights would light up, right? So very advanced to save energy, whatever. So uh, she and I are, are in bed and it's probably four o'clock in the morning and I wake up with a start and I can see in this dark room, I can see this darker than dark room thing that's moving yeah. across us. So in front of our bed and it's going towards the door. So I've learned that every place I go, I've always got a flashlight with me. I just, I do that now, right? Yeah. So I put a flashlight out and I shine it on it. The light goes through it, but I can see it's going through like a dark cloud kind of a thing. So it then goes through the doorway. I open the door and I don't stick enough of myself out that the sensors go off, that the lights go on, but I can see this dark thing moving down through. Then I walk through, all the lights go on and it's just gone. So. There are things like that. I think that was probably a shadow person. That's how we associate the things here. Mm -hmm. But there are innumerable stories that I've got of different things. And if you want to be afraid of those things, you can be afraid. But again, I think that they're just, mostly they're, they're people or something else. And, and most people, by and large, are good people, fortunately. But and they can't harm you unless you allow them to harm you. That's my thought on that. Yeah, I would agree. I was actually just having a conversation with my partner about how um, we were watching like scary movies around Halloween time and stuff. And I'm like, why don't they have very many movies where there's just like active spirits that like aren't terrible? <laughs> because I feel like most of them aren't. Well, the thrill factor, obviously, you know, yeah. especially in America, we really would like to have something else taking yeah. place. Uh, but then, then it's a misnomer. You're absolutely correct about that. Yeah. And, um, not everything that is existing right now is going to become a ghost or a spirit as well. So again, the energy that is you will remain in some capacity, but to have it remain here, right. unless it has some attraction or attention or reason to be here, why would it be here, right? So. Yeah, yeah we were watching specifically um, something where there was like a, the spirit of an old man. They moved into his house and he looked past there and he was this old man and he was like, like, he just seemed like a grumpy old man, and they were like, we're being haunted, and they were like freaking out about it. I'm like, he's just a grumpy old man, you're in his house, like, leave him be. So Marley, you've been living now in Arizona for about a year, right? And you and I talked about coming down and filming like an, an ayahuasca thing, but it wasn't really ayahuasca because it's more of a, 
you know, I'm not sure if it's Navajo there or what Indian tribes are there, but they've got their own sweat lodge, magical perspective on things, right? Right. So, have you had the opportunity to go through any of that or experience that? I have not, but it's, it's definitely on my list of things to do. I think that, you know, any sort of stuff like that, like peyote, ayahuasca, any any sort of psychedelic like plant that's used in like a very intense ritualistic way, it's intense. So, you know, it, it has, it, I haven't had the opportunity to do it, but it is definitely something that I want to do. So it's very interesting to me because it seems that almost every uh, indigenous people has got something where they are finding a way to go back into themselves and like a reset in some ways. And uh, before the pandemic, our intent was to go to Haiti and to go to Jamaica and to go film different indigenous portions. And obviously I've been in Cuba and I've gone through Santeria, uh, traditional Santeria ceremonies for a day and a half. And they are, they're very um, overwhelming at first, but they really do cathartically give you the opportunity to have a different perspective on yourself. So that's why I'm going to go back and do that. I also am getting to Brazil. Of course, Brazil has been just a mess even before the pandemic. We'll get there at some point. But I'd really like to think about going back and readdressing something in um, our Southwest and go to a Hogan somewhere and experience that. The thing is to find someone who's not a charlatan who's actually going to allow you to participate in the right. indigenous portion of that. Yeah. So I think that would be fascinating to see. Um, but you must have other experiences of your own you can talk about as well that necessarily don't involve that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, when it does come to, like, me in, in Arizona, um, I've felt a lot more spiritual there than I did here. I've just, I've been doing a lot more like ritualistic things. I, you know, I've just kind of connected with that side of me there, um, especially. And part of that could be because I live with my boyfriend who's native and has his own rituals and stuff like that. But I think that the atmosphere down there is very, very different and I really enjoy it. an experience that I kind of felt like I had here that kind of lifted off me when I went there is like I used to experience sleep paralysis a lot I used to like especially when I was in a very like negative headspace or feeling anxiety or something like that I almost felt like this like dark like a shadow person kind of just like looming in the corners of the room or around me and stuff like that and I felt that a little bit when I first moved to Arizona and then I feel like I kind of did a lot of just like meditating through that and sort of even recognizing it as like, like, you know, a darker energy that's kind of like latched on to me, whether for whatever reason that I just wanted to be gone, but also wanted to like give it the respect of the fact that it was something that had been with me for a very long time and it it did eventually go away and that was just a very interesting thing for me to experience when I went down there. Well, I I, I certainly have felt all sorts of things myself. I think that if you're in a a dark space, if you've got a lot of dark energy yourself, you do attract other dark energy. Yeah. And um, it does have a tendency to kind of feed off of that and you and maybe vice versa for a while. You need a way to break away from that. Yeah. So, in the time that you were here, you must have one really profound story not the other people on your tour but something you experienced on a tour 
I feel like there's a lot. And I guess I do remember one of the first times, and this is something that, it happened outside of here, but had to do with here. So um, it was the first few months that I had worked here. And I felt like something followed me home. I was here really late, so I had finished my tours. I was hanging out here till bar closed. I went home and I just like couldn't sleep very well. And I'm usually like when I pass out, like I'm not cold. I do not wake up in my sleep or anything like that. So it was just really weird that I just kept kind of like, you know, having trouble falling asleep and staying asleep. I felt, kept feeling like there was something in the room with me. I felt very uncomfortable. And then I woke up in a panic, almost like I had woken up from a nightmare and I gasped. And it was um, like 3.30 in the morning, which 3.30 is like the witching hour. And I kept trying to write it off. I was like, you know, maybe it's just because you just started this job at Shakers and you're getting freaked out or something like that. I was like, there's no one in the room, like, nothing followed you home or anything like that. But I sat up in my bed, and my cat was at the foot of my bed, staring at the spot where I felt like there was a presence. And, like, his tail was, like, all puffed up, like he was scared. And I turned on all of the lights in my apartment. I turned on, like, Friends or some other, like, sitcom-y, like, feel-good type of show to try to, like you know, feel better about it. And I think that I, I came back here and I told you about that experience. You gave me a whole thing of like salt and told me to like tell it to me. And I took that and yeah. So even this last week, and you know, I am, everybody who knows me knows I don't sleep much or at all, but I do read a lot. And uh, there was this time last week as well that I'm in bed and you know, I'm reading the book and, and I'm alone in the bed and someone is tapping me. Well, there's nobody there, but okay hello i don't know if that was like you know turn the light off go to bed kind of thing or something but it's like most well, something obviously is getting my attention yeah so it's cool yeah neat well i'm so glad you came back and yeah. glad you had a chance yeah. to uh connect again and i think that in the next couple of months if we can get out to arizona yeah. film some things out there that would be an absolute blast I would love that. yeah and i think the last time you and i went somewhere was uh was that in california no i think it was new orleans new right orleans. new orleans yeah. So um, obviously what a magnificent city New Orleans is for spiritual activity, just because of the history, the downside is that there are so many bar tours, so many Charlottes and tours, have another drink, have another drink. Well, no, right? So uh, if you can get yourself down there and get past that portion of it, it's a marvelous place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for tuning in. Um, if anybody has their own ghost stories or ghost stories experiences that happened at Shakers on one of our tours, uh, you can send that to me and get featured on our Hangman blog, uh, marley at shakerscigarbar.com. Um, thank you guys for listening. Honored to have you. Hope you had a good time. And um, please call us, send us some, uh, some requests so we can cover some other material. Cheers to you.